Hi, everybody. My name is Drew Waldron, and thank you for tuning in to yet another episode of Niche Talks. We are diving into the world of video game development. My guest today is Andreas Fernigal. Andreas, who goes by Dre, is the managing director for Nosebleed Interactive, which is the game studio responsible for games like The Hungry Horde, Vostok Inc., and my personal favorite game of theirs, Arcade Paradise. The game Arcade Paradise is the core subject of this interview, so if you're unfamiliar, it's an arcade management simulator set in the 90s. The game is a ridiculous amount of fun, so much fun that I went out of my way to contact Dre for an interview, and I'm thrilled that he said yes. Arcade Paradise released in August of 2022, but it's been getting another wave of attention now that it's recently been added to Xbox's Game Pass. So I was thrilled to sit down with Dre and have a discussion about the game's development, evolution, and his own personal experience within the gaming industry. And now, without further delay, here is my interview with Andreas Fernigal. And we are on with Dre Fernigal. Dre, how are you? Uh, it's, a, it's a fine early morning for me, uh, mid-afternoon for you. Yeah, good, good. I got a whole bunch of paperwork that I was meant to do yesterday. The deadline was yesterday, and I managed to get it done. It's been a, yeah, so I'm, I'm happy. And it's Friday. It's my daughter's birthday today as well, so. Oh, happy it's, it's birthday. It's all good. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely a, a packed Friday for you. I think the best way to start this conversation would be for you to introduce yourself to someone who may not have heard of your work. Uh, yeah, so yeah, I'm Andreas Fernigal or Dre. I'm the CEO and creative director and I guess game director of, well, at Nosebleed Interactive, that's a company. And we just, uh, well, a, a year ago we launched, or just shy of a year ago, we launched a game called Arcade Paradise on all platforms and that just went on to Game Pass on the 3rd, which I think was Monday. Um, so yeah, we've been getting lots of, lots of new fans, lots of people who've not played the game before. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's us. That's me. <laughs> I am one of those new fans. I played the game and beat it in a week and I oh, wow. was just so enthralled with it. <laughs> I, I loved it so much. I wanted to reach out and set up this interview, but let's go back to game development. How did you get started in game development? What was the impetus for leading you where you are today? Um, oh, well, that, was, that was quite an easy one. It's, so it's I, a big question. It's a giant <laughs> yeah, question. I mean, if I'm honest, when I, you know, I first started playing games when I was like, I don't know, six or seven, um, I obviously saw arcades and stuff like that. I grew up in Switzerland, actually. Um, oh, wow. So I, yeah, basically, like, I think my brother got a Commodore 64. I think we maybe had a VIC-20 that someone had given us before that. So the very first game I ever played was one called Blitz. I think there is a version of it called New, Ye New York Blitz. And there is now a version called UFO Assault, because essentially we remade <laughs> it for Arcade Paradise. So that's like the first game I ever played or first game I ever remember playing. Uh, and, I, you know, ever since being like a little kid, I was always into games and kind of would draw maps of games that existed, you know, draw maps of like games that I would like to play of like franchises that existed and stuff like that and do little puzzles and things um, just like, like on paper. Yeah, then, you know, kind of lost touch with games a little bit in my kind of mid to late teens, got into like skateboarding and beers and girls and stuff. <laughs> and uh, you know how it goes. And then- The uh, standard, to, yeah. Yeah, yeah, went, went to university and studied sort of media production, kind of film and TV stuff. Because they weren't really well. I'd kind of I'd bought a P. Actually, at that point, I'd bought a PS One. Um, so I went to Union in ninety nine, I think. And actually, I was studying 
German and politics, uh, because I was a dumb kid who was like, well, German would be easy, and accidentally put the wrong code down on the on the entry form, and just like, I actually wanted to do German and business, but oh, that'll do. Realised after a month it was a total waste of time and money and everyone's effort that I was just doing this thing for, because whatever. Decided to kind of stop, pull the brakes and do something that I actually wanted to do, sort of TV and film type stuff. And then uh, was playing loads of video games at the time, uh, like really, really got heavily back into them and realised that, do you know what, maybe this is a this is actually a career that exists. Um, and so started while I was at uni looking into stuff and kind of, you know, kind of getting, as people do, getting really, really into into the, the sort of industry side of stuff and tailoring my degree quite towards that. So, I mean, you know, it's not quite the same thing, but there is a bit of crossover in terms of, you know, the sort of way the medium's used and stuff. Uh, and then straight out of uni just, applied for a whole bunch of well I had a whole bunch of shitty jobs before am I okay swearing in this no, no you can say whatever the fuck you want <laughs> <laughs> awesome awesome um yeah so uh yeah I had a bunch of really shitty jobs in between as well and obviously while well, it's in college and at school and stuff which is partly where some of the inspiration for Arcade Paradise has come from but um basically t- got a testing job and that was me kind of into into the industry and been making games Leading since, you where you are today. Yeah, yeah, since GameCube games, actually. That was my first game was a game called Big Mother Truckers on the GameCube <laughs> uh, as a tester. Not the high point of my career, not the low point either. That was probably Big Mother Truckers 2, Truck Me Harder. <laughs> not, yeah, a lesson in what not to do. What a, what a franchise. <laughs> I, I mean, uh, I, I feel like every kid grows up wanting to be a video game tester, but the reality of the situation is that the job is nowhere near as glamorous as uh, it is in a seven-year-old's mind. Oh God, no. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the first, the first week of being uh, at like, you know, at the testing job, I was like, oh my God, I'm getting paid to play video games. This is amazing. And then after about two or three weeks, it was like, and lots and lots of unpaid overtime and, and uh, crunch. It was like, oh no, I'm playing the same half finished half assed game at the same level of the same game eight hours well no not even eight hours probably about 10 to 12 hours a day for six days a week and getting oh. less than i got in my bar job <laughs> this is soul destroying and especially because you know quite often i think as a as a developer well a lot of developers have kind of got that creative spark and they want to be creating stuff and as a tester you're effectively just dismantling people's hard work <laughs> and being like this is broken this is broken uh, but it is a really good trial by fire kind of job, you know. You kind of you know you know you learn a lot, and you learn a lot of kind of the the way the systems work, and where you, know, you kind of have you're in touch with every every type of team member, you know, the artists, the producers, the designers, the mm-hmm. you know coders, and all that sort of stuff. So it is a really good entry point. It's a good way to dive into the industry. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure, for sure. And it and it actually is quite a it's quite a high skill job as well it's i think one of the things that um that is maybe lacking in our industry is kind of the level of respect that qa should get because it is not an easy job you know it's easy to make a game crash what's hard is figuring out exactly what caused that crash and being able to repeat it 100 percent of the time or you know figuring and there's a sort of quite an analytical brain that's needed um not i'm saying that i have that i don't I wasn't that, well i was all right in qa but um but yeah, there's you know you come across testers who are like, yeah, this is a really really good tester, and inevitably they end up making very good coders as well. And it's like, oh well, you know, coders kind of kind of harder to come by, and this person is very good at both. So 
which is what happened to us with one of our amazing testers who became uh, one of our most senior coders. Lovely. Well, did they work on uh, Arcade Paradise as well? Yeah, yeah, Izzy. So actually, she started as a she started actually just doing work experience. Um, and I'm gonna just just gonna name check her right now. And um, like just came in, sort of volunteered a little bit. And I was like, yeah, do you want to come in more frequently? She was like, yeah. Do you want a job as a <laughs> Do you want a job as a tester full time? Yeah, sure. But it was like started giving her design tasks and quite heavy code ones, and she kind of pretty much taught herself on the job to to program which is you know it's quite a it's a different path into the industry than a lot of people take which is i think really important to kind of see because you get a lot more kind of different perspectives from from a more diverse sort of set of people i love video games more than anything but all the terminology of what actually goes into it what goes in development all, all goes over my head no, um, i'll try i'll try and i'll try and uh, i'll try and not use all that i mean it's, i'm I sort of live in it so much that I sort of forget that people are like... Understandable, completely understandable. Uh, the, the game that was the impetus for this interview, Arcade Paradise, uh, for any audience members that don't know, it's a game where you are running a laundromat with a couple arcade machines in the back and slowly, bit by bit, through missions and objectives uh, and your own gameplay, you turn it into your own personal 90s arcade. I would love to kind of go back to the beginning of this project, like how the evolution of Arcade Paradise came to be uh, from beginning to end. Like, how did this project start? And uh... <laughs> that's such, that, is a, that is a funny one. It's quite different to what you're probably going to expect. Mm -hmm. We were making a racing game. Oh, wow. That, um... is, that is very different to what I expected. <laughs> yeah. So we're making this sort of, uh, sort of retro future yeah. sci-fi racing game fully 3d and it was going to be i'd still like to make it to be honest but it was going to be this futuristic anti-gravity racing game but like retro futuristic so sort of 1970s 1980s the set aesthetic but with the the catch being that it was um it was like a bit of a, a role role-playing game like an rpg with kind of lots of elements of like getting loot and grinding and and, and it was skill-based that even people that were not very good should be able to progress really well and so we needed loads of additional content you know we needed the player to i wanted the player to spend as much time on the track as they did in the garage tinkering with their you know their teams and like making this cool sort of sci-fi racing thing that you, that was like had loads of cool stuff going on one of the things was a whole bunch of games that you could play on this pc on this old um atari pet style thing on your desk um that you would unlock over time and it was like you know th these are the, like things that you'd be like oh that's a cool you know that's a cool thing anyway we, we were pitching this game and one of the publishers that that had, um we'd worked with on the nintendo switch version of our previous game i'm gonna name drop it right now Boss yeah. kink. <laughs> <laughs> um and available on all platforms uh anyway yeah so he, he had a look at it it was like yeah, we've just done a racing game, so we can't really do it. But these are these these arcade games are really cool. What about like just doing those? And I was like, you pay for something like that. And he was like, yeah. And I was like, oh yeah, this is the <laughs> dream game. Um, so that was kind of the genesis of it. And we we so we'd already started transplanting stuff into to just as a bit of a like I don't want to say a cash grab, but we needed to sort of fund ourselves because we'd been we our previous game had released quite a bit, you know, a few years earlier, and we were starting to be a bit like uh oh. Um, you know that no one was biting on the racing game so we started transplanting with the idea of like we'll take one of the 
you know, the more showcasey, uh, okay, well, one of the more showcasey games and make it into like a, you know, standalone game for like Nintendo Switch or whatever and just push it out there and, see, you know, self-publish it and see how it does. So we'd already kind of got this arcade scene and cabinets and stuff. And I was like, okay, well, now we need to make the nosebleed game around it that's sort of a bit of a grind, doing multiple things at the same time, having these kind of long-term, mid-term and short-term goals of like, oh, I'm just going to empty the, the washers and stick them on for another three minutes. And while I'm doing that, I'll do this other thing. And here's a bunch of other things that I've just done without really even trying, which is, I think, probably why you completed it in a week. Um, because it's quite... It's, it's something so it's engaging more-ish. about that, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of... Yeah, so we built this, this kind of game around it. And a lot of my... Um, like I say, I had a load of really shit jobs when I was younger, you know. Like, my, my, mm. the first job I ever had actually paid incredibly well. So it was over uh, summertime when I was still at school. And I worked in a hospital in Switzerland, washing washing dishes. And it was like, it was a fairly big hospital. So I think there were like 10 wards or something like that. And so after breakfast, you know, we'd wait a couple of hours and then all the all the trays and stuff would come back from the, the 10 wards. And it would be, you'd be sitting behind this massive machine. I mean, it's bigger than this room, massive machine. One person's on the conveyor belt emptying you know, all the all the, the stuff off the plates, putting them onto this conveyor belt. The next person grabs them and stacks them into this conveyor belt machine. And I was at the end of it, grabbing the clean plates and, and you know, putting plates here, bowls here, cutlery here. For about each each part of the shift was about three hours or two hours of just plates marching towards you and, and you know, cutlery and all this sort of stuff. So I would, I would be listening to my headphones, listening to the Beastie Boys and Sonic Youth and stuff. And then... Um, Basically, I'd be so bored because, you know, you're just sitting there, just sort of your mind wanders and you're like, oh, it'd be cool. You know, I was playing, I bought my, actually I used, that was what I used to pay for my my PlayStation because it was that summer that I bought a It PS. was that job? Yeah, I think it was 97 that I had that job. It was You know, I was, yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. And um, I, yeah, I bought the PS1 and I was like really getting, heavily getting back into video games. Obviously, yeah, just making up games and stuff just to pass the time. But even within, you know, you know, oh, how, because the guy on the other end, there was one guy that I worked with at the other end of that was loading the machine. And if it got to a certain point on my side, it would stop. And he'd been working there for like 20 years or something. Really, really angry guy. And if it stopped, he'd be like, ah, you like being on holiday? Well, fucking, and I did, you know, it was like, <laughs> so it was this sort of like danger, danger. It's getting close. And I'd be like, right, how many I'm going to wait until the next, I'm going to like leave this cup. I'll do all the plates, but I'm going to leave the cup or whatever until the next cup comes in and see how many I can do before the next cup. Do you know what I mean? I'd like make make up daft little games. It's like, like that. Op- optimization games there. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, just to like, with a little, with an actual little dangerous streak of like this guy <laughs> shouting at you. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of, that's a lot of what um, Ashley's sort of crap jobs um are based on was exactly that that makes sense uh, for audience <laughs> members who might not know ashley is the main character of the video game and uh, like we were saying a big theme in the game is being forced to do shit jobs that you don't like uh, i could absolutely see where the inspiration comes from but uh, a bigger theme is just it, it, the game is really in my opinion it's it's a love letter to 90s arcades and i i'm more interested in what the development process was like in terms of all the fake 90s games that you had to make? Because there's about, what, 25 or 
30 uh, unique the, arcade games there, that you had to throw in? There are 35 with the base version. They mm-hmm. also did eight DLCs and and we always said 35 plus because you know, like on the like there's a gate in the in the office there's like a PC that you use to like go on the the fake internet and mm. buy like you know you get emails from characters and stuff like that and you, you use it to buy your various like new arcade machines and stuff and to buy like you know extensions to your your laundromat and arcade and you know make the space bigger and that kind of thing one of the one of the upgrades is like the idiot's guide to computers which unlocks a whole bunch of stuff on the computer including like solitaire and mind minesweeper so we don't count <laughs> those in the 35 and then one of the arcade machines like uh there's knuckles and knees it's kind of probably our, our most showcasey machine it's kind of a final fight or streets of streets of rage was the real inspiration or like double dragon that's kind of side-scrolling brawler but in that there is an a king wash arc uh, a king wash laundromat like pixelated version that you can go into and within that there is a little arcade with five little playable arcades so you're playing an arcade yeah you're you're playing a game in a game in a game <laughs> and um at one point when we did we did a bunch of like making of videos and stuff and we took we, we did them we did all the interviews in this kind of local like new arcade like new retro kind of arcade and the guy, the guy was like, "Oh, can I play it?" And I was like, "Yeah." While we were being interviewed upstairs, he was playing it downstairs, and he was like, "I'm in an arcade playing a game in an arcade, playing a game in an arcade in an arcade. It's like arcadeception." <laughs> um, but yeah, the sort of development process on that was we had a we had a strategy which was we had sort of three tiers of games. We had the kind of high level, think of them like an anchor store in a, a shopping mall. You know, it's the big showcase one that people are going to. So we spent more time on those. So an example of one of those would be like the the side scrolling beat em up or or like a you know pool or something like that. You know, a big showcase machine that people kind of like. Oh yeah, that's really cool. And then we had kind of mid level ones, and then we had like the kind of the smallest ones. The smallest ones tended to be really simple to to make, but actually they're some of the ones that that engage you the most because they're so straightforward and simple that you're just you like, oh, right just in. have a little quick. Yeah, yeah. I mean. <laughs> Woodgal Junior. To and be Woodgal fair, Wood, Junior, yeah, yeah, Woodgal and Wood uh, and Woodguy. They are transplanted from our previous game, Vostok uh, uh, King, which was that had a whole bunch of mini games in it as well. And our first game, The Hungry Horde, did it as well. Uh, so it's something that we've always done. Um, but yeah, the, like some of those are really like I've seen some crazy, crazy, crazy high scores on some of the games. I was, I'm just like, how how are people doing this? <laughs> It's crazy that you make the game and you're wondering how people do it. <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I'm always curious about like how it feels to make a game this big, have it be this popular, and then you go on Twitch or YouTube and you see hundreds, if not thousands, of different reactions of people playing your product. Uh, how does that feel as a developer? Oh, it's amazing. There's a few things. So we did a we did um, we did a Steam Next Fest demo before. Uh, before launch and so it was kind of it was a good few months before launch you know we we had a lot of but i mean I, we, we're a really really small team there's like there's 12 of us now but for most of arcade there were like six or seven people making that game mm. um which you know it's a fairly ambitious game doing 40 plus games plus the the whole meta game and all that sort of stuff with a really really small team so we did have we had we had bugs and we launched with bugs and we, we still have a few but we're you know we've patched as many as out as we can um but we did this twitch not twitch we did this um steam demo 
And it was, I, I ended up watching probably 60 hours of footage of people, you know, live streaming it. Partly because it was just really nice seeing people's reactions. Like, you know, the, the intro to the game is quite, is not what you expect it to be, you know, and it's got this quite, it's quite slick. Um, I'm saying that about my own game, but I'm really <laughs> like, the, the guys did a really, really good job. The animation. Like that, that. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. And it's just the transitions and stuff like that. And it's always nice seeing people go like, whoa, that was cool. Um, and then obviously you think it's going to be an arcade game, but it's a laundrette, sim- oh, laundromat simulator, <laughs> which is like, wait, what? But that sort of watching those was really, really informative because there was loads of stuff that we were like, we took for granted that people would just understand and get straight away. And there's loads of stuff that we, we saw. Everyone made the same mistake. It's like, okay, we need to, we need to fix this. So it was great in that instance, because it was a, you know, it was a sort of really massive broad focus test that's the first thing the second thing is every developer that you speak to will have that thing of like the first time it's seen by the public you're a bit like oh god is how's it going to go down we've been working on it so much we don't really know anymore all of us hate it i mean we don't actually to be fair it's you know when your game's all right if you're playing it for fun as opposed to just for, <laughs> for testing and stuff for work. but even but even so you know it's like oh how's it going to go down and so, you know, that was really good. But then the other side of it as well is, um, so in the UK, there's a, I mean, he he was on loads of TV shows and all this sort of stuff. He's a, he's a there's a guy called Limmy and everyone in the studio is like a fan of Limmy's streams. I mean, he's not got a huge audience, but, you know, he's kind of a bit of a TV star who's decided not to do TV anymore because he makes more from Twitch and enjoys it more and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he's brutal as well like properly brutal if he doesn't like it he'll because he's a comedian he is like very funny brutal and his audience are also quite like brutal (laughs) anyway he started playing it where like it was like oh god fucking hell then he's playing the game wow god we all have to watch it but yeah yeah and and he normally if he doesn't like a game he'll give it that day and then and then bin it and rip it to shreds during that sort of playthrough. He played the entire game in a week live on stream. And to progress, you know, his streams are like two hours long or whatever. To progress, he was like, oh, I've been playing at home. You need to check out this cool thing. Oh, you need to check out. And he was like, really, it was like, huh, if Limmy likes it, we've done something good. <laughs> so, yeah, it feels nice. Put it that way. That's the simple version. That, that's basically <laughs> the ultimate test is uh, is Limmy's <laughs> approval. Pretty much, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Again, I, I don't know what what else there is to say. I could just tell from playing it, it is a game that you have poured, you and your team have poured an immense amount of passion and care for. Uh, it, it's interesting that you say that you're playing it for fun because I know a lot of people who work on either video games or movies and, you know, after hours and hours of editing and changing and coding, like they don't want to look at their own creation. <laughs> Yeah, there's definitely a few people. I mean, there's, there's like you know, I'm 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 I still play a lot of games. Like mm. I think when you get to sort of, I mean, I've been in the games industry for twenty two years, I think something like that, and um, you know, I've been running the company for for eleven years, I guess. Um, and I think a lot of people that you meet are a bit burnt out by then, but I'm very much still play. I mean, if you know, if I'm given the choice of like. You know, I don't know. Go the to the cinema. There, yeah. yeah, go to the cinema with some friends or sit in your underpants on a Saturday and play video games. I'm like, 
uh, don't have to go out and see friends. I mean, that it's nice. I've not seen them in a while, but I could just sit and play this. Um, so yeah, I'm very much still into it. Um, but yeah, I think I mean to be fair, yeah, it's definitely got a lot of our personality and 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 you know, there was a Twitter thread a while back saying like, oh, what um, what Easter eggs have you got in your game? And I'm like, there's no point in me starting. It's easier to ask what isn't an Easter egg in the game because it's literally every everything has got whatever thing that we've created. You know, whoever is working on something has imprinted a lot of their own sort of personality and their little kind of in-jokes or like little nods to friends or little nods to, you know, the source material or all that sort of thing. I mean, even, even like some of them, some of them are super obvious. Um, like, um, so one of the first cabinets that you have by default is one called Racer Chaser, which is a combination of Pac-Man and GTA. It's very obviously Pac-Man meets GTA. <laughs> you know, the fonts are sort of similar, the little... The little map on the bottom that looks like Pac-Man, but you know mm-hmm. it's this kind of PS One aesthetic. And the the reason for that even existing is that I my old boss was one of the designers on the very first GTA. Oh wow! And he, yeah, and he always maintained um, that GTA was basically just Pac-Man, right? But with cops instead of ghosts. And I, I'd always thought like, huh. Yeah, I guess it is. And so obviously we're making this arcade game and you can't have an arcade without Pac-Man. I was like, Steve's comment coming back. And I'm going to... Yeah, yeah, exactly. And actually the very first version of GTA was called Race and Chase because it was just a straight up racing game. But they, you know, then the designers started dicking about with stuff and the, the apparently the cop cars weren't supposed to be as aggressive as they are in the in the top-down 2D version of well in all of the gta's actually they've, they've never changed it really i mean obviously they have but the sort of main behavior was that they would really ram you and stuff and that was by accident apparently <laughs> um which is just like one of those things where you know there's like loads of the really fun pivotal changes in design have come from bugs and accidents i mean street fighter 2's combo system was an accident apparently so yeah Wow, not that's... all bugs are bugs some of them are features yeah that, that's crazy to think about especially <laughs> like how many long-standing video game things started out as bugs it, yeah, is the yeah. rumor true that like all the creepers in minecraft started out as bugs and then they just oh, kept i don't know game? i don't I, know I think Pro- probably true. probably i could be making that up but that it sounds it sounds true <laughs> i would love to know what is your favorite video game dre of all time it, it either recently all time give me whatever answer Ooh, you'd like a favorite is really difficult Favorite is really really difficult. Mm. I think top five, and they do change about. So don't I don't. I, oh, you're stressing me out with this. Uh, <laughs> Shenmue, Shenmue has to be up. Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah, Yusuzuki Shenmue. It's not the perfect game. It's clunky as hell, and it's not aged. Well, I say it's not aged that well. It has, but I don't think a game had at that point really transported me as much as that game had, did. I remember I was really excited for it. I bought my Dreamcast for it. Um, you know, I'd been kind of following it for probably a, a year or so of development. And actually just talking about, yeah, this is like, you know, the day it came out, I bought it, ran home. Uh, my girlfriend at the time, but wife now, was like, oh, yeah. And actually, we lived with a bunch of people. So it was like, oh, yeah, we're going out for a big night out, you know, proper, you know, go to a rave and, you know, going out drinking and all that sort of stuff. And I was like, 
yeah, see you in like, <laughs> see you in 12 hours. I'm sorry. I got Shenmue. In this spot, I've got Shenmue. I've been waiting for this for far too long. And I genuinely was like, I was just like, wow, this this feels, you know, the atmosphere was so good. The like, the fact that you could, I mean, you could, I mean, obviously Shenmue's had a big influence and has a lot of hat nods in Arcade Paradise. So, you know, the fact that you have to go and wait for a bus, which takes you, the fact that it was a playable arcade, um the time yeah, the, system itself the, yeah. oh yeah the time system and the watch like yeah um actually the, the time system was meant to be a proper real time day night cycle but um because we're making it for so many different platforms technical reasons for technical reasons we scrapped that and changed it to just kind of three time periods i mean the time does pass but there was like originally there was actual sun going down and the, the you know clouds and all that sort of stuff but we had to scrap that Mm. make just, it work just for practicality yeah exactly um but yeah so Shenmue's up there I think uh Metal Gear Solid franchise is absolutely amazing what I love about that is how tactile everything kind of feels you know it like everything has a purpose in that game so stuff like I don't know stuff like Assassin's Creed is really fun and great and looks absolutely stunning but I always find it really weird when you get these like multi you know hundreds of millions of dollars development budgets and this huge world and then there's like six things that you can do just you know copy paste around the entire map it's like why have you spent so long making this the things that you do are cool mm. and they feel really nice and you know this feeling of exploration is really good like you've spent so much time and money and effort on creating this massive populated world but effectively it's just empty and something like metal gear is the antithesis of that you know they they everything has a purpose everything that you do in it every object that you that you have feels tactile and, and works really well um what, what other ones legend of zelda ocarina of time this is got to be up there and I'm, I'm playing through the the latest one uh, um, tears of the kingdom tears of the kingdom do you know breath of the wild I thought it was a really good game, but I did. I wasn't on the hype train anywhere near. I, as much I as wasn't else. either. Yeah, and I, I kind of been like telling my friends, like I know I'm incorrect for for not like. Yeah, I know that do, I'm the. There was just out. there was just something about. So one of my problems with the with with kind of with that design was that it gave you so much freedom to do whatever you wanted, but being a bit sort of lazy, <laughs> basically, um, I would always find the most optimal way of doing something and then just do that for the rest of the game mm. and i find that in quite a few games with tears of the kingdom though somehow they're getting me to experiment more and mess about more with the systems than 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 i did with breath of the wild i've really really enjoyed um tears of the kingdom the one thing is i'm 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 not sure how many shrines I've got left to do, but I'm pretty much out of shrines now, I think, <laughs> which is really disappointing because the shrines are as good a puzzle game as like Portal. Exactly. Oh, you, know, you know, if it was just like just shrines, a whole game of shrines, I would still buy it. I'd be like, yeah, this is amazing. You just don't want it to end. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually genuinely really, really like their sort of design ethos as well of like, just let the player do it. However, you know, that, uh, to, to, to make the emergent gameplay fully emergent, they've gone. Right, yeah, so the way we want to, you to play it is by doing, you know, X, Y, and Z. But if you just glue together a load of stuff and make a bridge, that's also fine. It's just like, doing whatever okay. you want. Yeah, and it's just like, 
get from A to B is the thing. And however, and you know, here is our suggested route. But if you just, you know, if you cheat yourself into doing a thing, it's like, yeah, cool, that's fine. And yeah, it works really the way that they've got those those sort of oh, let's call them challenges. They're not challenges, but you know, they, those kind of objectives are set out. Mm. You can't always you can't always brute force it with the way that you you know, which I think you could do with um, Breath of the Wild. I, I think Tears of the Kingdom has really embraced the sort of the design ethos of let people play it how they want, but also mm-hmm. let's stop them from always doing the same thing, which is really I don't know. I thought it was I thought I th- I'm thinking it's excellent. I'm loving it. Definitely. I, um, I feel like that same aspect went really underappreciated in uh, Banjo-Kazooie Nuts and Bolts. And oh, I, I never played it. I never played uh, it. I'm told it's amazing. Well, but... I, wait, you, you, have you have you played the originals? Years ago. Uh, on the N64, right? Yeah, N64. Well, it, it went underappreciated because uh, it was just so different. They, they had such a similar vehicle building uh, mechanic that the new Zelda has. And people just hated it immediately because it wasn't like the old games. Like it was such a departure from what they were used to. And so I'm seeing, I'm just seeing all the love that Tears of the Kingdom is getting. And I'm like, they, they did that in 2008. They, they literally <laughs> did it in 2008 and you guys hated it. Why do you love it now? But you hated it in 2008. But I don't know. That's just my, my uh, aside there. Um, what, what is, I've got a question for you. In Arcade Ooh. Paradise, which was your favorite game? And my why? favorite game um well i i found myself drawn to like you were saying some of the easier games the simpler games that were easy to jump into and then get all the goals because when i play a game especially uh, a simulation like uh arcade paradise where it's all about optimization like i find myself just wanting to get the goals done as quickly as possible and as effectively as possible so i found myself drawn to stuff like uh wood guy and wood girl jr and um uh, attack ufo and just the, the, the games where I could get the goals done easily, but in terms of what I enjoyed the most, I w- oh I was big on uh, oh what's the 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 line game? Um, oh, line terror, line terror. I love line terror. <laughs> I there's a, there's, a, there's a cheat. Well, not a cheat. There's a there's a real. So in the original, so it's based on kicks, mm-hmm. and in kicks there is a bug that allows you to trap the the they're called sparks in kicks. We call them. I caught yeah. I I caught it. <laughs> oh, you, oh, yeah. So we, it, it happened to, to me once to replicate that, but we actually replicated it. But it was it was more complicated to <laughs> to create that bug in our version of the game than it was that you know obviously to to not have that bug in there. Mm-hmm. We, we we genuinely spent time. So the way that you do it, uh, and I'm using my hands here, which is no good for your podcast, but you you will get it. <laughs> Perfect. You make you make a box, mm-hmm. one box. The let's call it a spark gets onto the box. And you make a second box around that that encloses it while it's on the box, and that will trap it. So that makes that makes getting the goals much much easier. You might be one of the first uh, video game development teams to work their asses off to try to put a bug in their game, <laughs> realizing that it's harder to include a bug. It just you know that's not, that's yeah. craftsmanship. That's craftsmanship. Oh, there are plenty of bugs that we didn't mean to put in there. In there, <laughs> actually, actually, do you want to hear the the worst bug? Oh, absolutely. And I think this is one of the weird. Like when I talk to when I talk to game developers as well, mm. you know, everyone's got their horror stories of like mad mad bugs. Um, but this one, I think, is uh, everyone that I've spoken to is like that is the maddest bug we've ever heard of. And so the maddest bug on Big Mother Truckers, for example, was we got like really, really terrible frame rates, and it would crash on every platform apart from the Xbox, which had more memory. So it's obviously memory related. It's like where the hell's all the memory going? 
and as the QA team, we had loads of tools so we could like fly the camera about and stuff. And I found in the front of the truck, in the front, I think it was the right hand tire of the truck, the entire level chunk, the entire environment was duplicated a second time in miniature inside. It was like, how the hell did that happen? And <laughs> so that, that was quite a mad bug. Uh, with Arcade Paradise, <clears throat> we launched. So we launched on, the, I think it was 8th of August. We'd been through, uh, we'd been through all the, you know, we've been through Xbox, PlayStation, Switch, um, through all their like QA process and all that sort of stuff. They'd okayed it all, it's all green lit. And then on Xbox and only on Xbox, we had mad high crash rates. Like because you know, some of this like some stat tracking stuff. So you can see like you can see a user and effectively there's like a back end sort of thing to, to to their crashes. So you can kind of get crash logs. And this was like a this was a random crash, completely random, didn't matter where in the game you were, it could be in the front end, it could be in something that never crashed on any other platform. And also it was always the same users. I mean, there were a lot, but it was always the same users. Other users were in exactly the same place and didn't have these crashes. I'm like, what the hell's going on? Like, you know, the crash rates are high. This is like a good 20% of people are getting these completely random crashes. Sometimes really frequently, sometimes hardly at all. And our producer, uh, external producer for Wide Productions, our publisher, was on a call and he's like, I've just had that crash. And we were like, what? He was working from home on that day. We're like, okay, all right. Lead us through exactly what he did. And he, so he's got his, you know, we're on um, Discord, mm -hmm. got his video up and he's showing us and he's like, and then I did this and then I did this. And it's like, oh, it's not crashing. And we're like, all right, it just, it just, he's like, oh, sorry, just a sec. Let me turn the TV down, turn it down, did his thing and it, it had crashed. And we're like, just do exactly that again. Start from scratch. Reboot the Xbox and do exactly what you did. You start doing it and like, no, no, Sam, you've missed out a step. Turn the volume down on your TV. Turns the volume oh down. Oh my God. Hard crash. Right. So I don't know how many sets of LG TVs it was, but a certain number of LG TVs, if you use the mute button or the volume down button, the Xbox, which has the same infrared frequency as the... Um, as the TV remote mm -hmm. would crash, but only with our game. Oh my God. <laughs> how do you even go about repping? <laughs> there was one guy actually who who had a who had a um like a desk fan, like a you know, I've got like a I've got one in here, like a, mm -hmm. you know, like just a fan, like an AC kind of unit with a remote control. And he was like, my <laughs> my uh desk fan remote control is crashing the game. We'd already found that the the sort of bug by the time you got to us, but it was like my desk fan is crashing the camera. <laughs> like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> so effectively, we were using like a middleware um for control input stuff, and it was slightly out of date. And eff effectively, the Xbox was thinking that there was a, a an input from a gamepad, but it didn't know what gamepad it was, and it didn't know what to do with that um with that input, and so it just basically threw a wobbler and was like yeah i don't know what to do i'm crafting that that is so it was, crazy it, it was actually it was actually quite a straightforward fix once we found it but it was one of those like what is going on <laughs> and none of us none of us none of us had lg tvs which is why it was just like you would have never we, known yeah how do we even test this to know that we fixed it <laughs> that's luckily sam did but yeah uh before i close out i want to just ask a you know a big general question 
what's next and what are you currently working on? Uh, can't talk about it. Oh, you know what? That's just <laughs> as good we, of an answer. But we, uh, but I mean, so effectively our games have always got like a really, um, they've all got a similar, I don't want to say theme because they're not. I mean, Vostok Inc. is like a an idle cookie clicker game meets twin stick shooter. So I think cookie clicker meets Geometry Wars. If you haven't played it, you should. It's good fun. Um, and it's available on all platforms. <laughs> but that one had this, you know, that one's very Moorish, let's say. The game before that was also had similar kind of things. And we're working on something at the moment, um, which I won't talk about much, I can't talk about. And then the thing after that as well, we're just we're just starting to talk to publishers about and try and getting some funding for. But again, it's kind of it's in a similar vein. I think basically, if you like if you like Arcade Paradise, you'll like all of the like games this. that we do effectively, which so, is okay. kind of you know, it's, yeah. I think that this time pitching it hopefully is going to be an easy sell because we can just be a bit like, yeah, this is what we've made previously. This is kind of similar but different. Mm-hmm. Give us some money because look. People once you have a successful project i'm sure it's much easier so so for your future we'll just leave it at uh redacted redacted we're staying busy yeah yeah the no, the next nosebleed game yeah looking forward to it dre <laughs> thank you so much for your time this was such an awesome conversation <laughs> thank you to our audience thank you for tuning in